Oreo is the most famous cookie in the world, but few people remember the product that it blatantly ripped off, a creation of Jacob Luce in Kansas City. Not only was Oreo this copycat of Hydrox, it was also built on the back of the company that Jacob had founded himself. How Kansas City started the cookie wars. Hear the whole story on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Up to Date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. Good morning and welcome to Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Brian Ellison, in for Steve Kraske. Transportation has been in the news as the new airport terminal opens and the expansion of the streetcar line continues. So where can your journeys take you culinarily? Our food writers are here to bring us the best food along the way. Before we get to all that, though, we'll turn as we do each month for the latest in the restaurant scene in the Kansas City Metro to Liz Cook, critic and writer for The Pitch. Hey, Liz. Hey, Brian. Great to be with you. It's good to be with you again as well. So it's March, and I think we know what that means on the calendar, right? Right. It is almost time for our yearly Reuben and Cole Shannon. We are all gearing up for St. Patrick's Day. And I think uh, Westport in particular is gearing up for uh, a pretty wild party, as usual, uh, as the, the Westport uh, St. Patrick's Day parade comes right through, a, you know, Broadway and Westport Road around a lot of businesses that do a lot to celebrate the holiday. So um, few businesses have announced their concrete plans yet, but you can expect Kelly's Westport Inn to be at the center of the action as usual um, Gales Public House, Westport Flea Market, Conroy's, they also typically have parties and Irish specials on the day. So what are so those Irish checking... specials? I mean, you've got Rubens, Colcannons, what else? Oh, yeah. I mean, the green beer, of course. Uh, I was going to get there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I- Irish soda bread, you know, uh, bangers and mash, whatever kind of, you know, stick to your ribs food you still want to try to hold on to in March, I think you can expect. Um, check websites, Facebook page is a little closer to the day. Um, I, I will say one sure bet that I recommend, especially for people who want a little bit more elbow room than uh, being in the throngs of the crowd on uh, parade day is Brown's Irish Marketplace. So that's one of the oldest and, and largest St. Patrick's Day parties in the city. So you can drink whiskey, you can order, I think, a great Reuben from the deli counter there. And they usually have live music and beer um, in an empty lot next to the building with an outdoor stage. Is is Irish food uh, a, a thing year round? Uh, any anywhere else in town, uh, Liz? I mean, I, I think Browns is a is a great example of a place you can go anytime. Yeah, Browns is open kind of year round. A great deli and one of those you know oldest. Uh, it, it is the oldest Irish-owned business in North America. They're very proud of that. Uh, but Gale's Public House also does quite a bit of Irish food um, and Conroy's as well. So those are places you can check out if you're not feeling like getting out there on March 17th, which, uh, you know, I, I feel you. Who, yeah, who would blame you? I, now, uh, now I will say there are some who are more looking for uh, the, the beverage experience on, uh, on St. Patrick's Day. Anywhere you want to recommend for that? Well, look, if you're into kind of an authentic dive bar experience, and if I were going to be going out on St. Patrick's Day, I would be at Fitz's Blarney Stone. It is right on the parade route. It is a pure neighborhood bar with some of the grimiest leprechaun-themed murals and the grittiest midtown charm uh, you can get. It opens at 10 a.m. every day in normal times, not just St. Pat's, so it's that kind of crowd. Uh-huh. Um, I would just say where, wherever you're going, please don't order an Irish car bomb. Mm, yes, not a not a good reference. 10 a.m. Uh, here, it's it's afternoon in Ireland, right? 
right. That totally, that totally counts. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, temporary celebrations, there's a new pop-up in Midtown that has a lot of folks pretty excited. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, if you're a fan of Dutch Crunch bread, uh, you are now being served. You've got a lot of options in the Midtown. So if you've never had Dutch Crunch bread before, you can kind of get some clues from the name about what to expect. Um, it's a soft roll that has this crackly, crunchy topping that you get from painting rice flour on top of the roll before baking. Well, why rice flour? Well, it has no gluten. So when the roll is baking, the bread expands, but the rice flour coating doesn't, and it gets this really uh, it breaks into this fun desert continent pattern that just gives your sandwich a little more texture. So that is the signature bread for Bayboy, which is a West Plaza sandwich right. shop that gets a lot of love on this show from our food critics, including me. Uh, but Bayboy now has opened a second pop-up location in the PlexPod complex on 39th Street. So it's a temporary uh, second location. That pop-up is going to be a four-month partnership with uh, Kiyun Kim of Chingu. And uh, Kim is testing a coffee concept there called Chindu Coffee uh, and planning a permanent move for that um, coffee shop above Bay Boys West Plaza store. But for now, you've got two fun midtown options to get that bread. Um, and it's kind of a return to Bay Boys roots. So the, the owners of Bay Boys started their sandwiches as a pop-up inside Johnny Joe's Pizzeria. Uh, and Johnny Joe's, just a note, still has its own Dutch Crunch sandwiches on the menu. And it is also expanding into a second location uh, inside Parlor. So we're now going to have four spots to get Dutch Crunch sandwiches. And I, I'm pretty excited about that personally. And is the, the four-month pop-up, is it definitely only four months? Is this, this is definitely a limited time offer? Or is this more of a trial run for something that could last longer? Well, it is kind of a trial run. There is a possibility of expanding. And I, I talked to uh, Ki Young Kim last week, and he thought, you know, I think we can go into June, and then we're just kind of kind of evaluate. And I think it will also depend on whether that uh, permanent uh, spot above Bayboy is ready by then. Yeah. So if you like Dutch Crunch, you know, get out there, patronize the new Plex Plan location, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to stick around. Uh, I uh, like my like my good colleagues here on the Food Critic shows. I am uh, I am a fan of the Dutch Crunch bread, but I'm not a fan of the parking situation at, over at Bayboy. So uh, so this would be good. Yeah, FlexPod's got a big parking lot right outside, so you can have a, a little easier experience. All right. So, uh, weirdly enough, Liz, the biggest food news of this month, and, and let's be clear, this is the first time I think I've ever said these words on the radio, the hot new restaurants in town are at the airport. Uh, Liz, what is up with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the new KCI is Kansas City's hottest food hall. I don't know how that happens, <laughs> but... Uh, many people are now excited to visit the airport, which is a, a totally alien experience for me and I think a lot of other people. So I think we've got to give a lot of credit to the airport team because they have made sure that we have a lot of local options in the airport now for people to peruse and their flights are delayed. So now, there's just too many to list almost. Yeah, and, and we will talk about them with our food writers here uh, in a moment. I mean, what, what do you know about how this, how this restaurant lineup came to be? I mean, I, I, go to, I fly quite a bit for my, uh, for my other non-KCUR work, and uh, most airports are not filled with a lot of local, uh, local specialties. Yeah, I think the uh, the airport crew did a great job of recruiting some local flavor there. And I think they did a great job at pitching that to restaurateurs, too. So, you know, any airport restaurant is going to be kind of operated by their concession group, which is OHM Concessions. And there's some kind of advantage for restaurateurs there, right? So the OHM handles the staffing and hiring, and that has been one of the biggest headaches for restaurateurs this year. So in some ways, it's a pretty good, uh, you know, business proposition for a lot of these local restaurant owners. They get, you know, they have less creative control over the experience, but a lot of these logistical headaches are, are taken care of for them. 
do you are th- I guess my question is are these are these restaurants that have local names we recognize are we really getting those local restaurants when we see them at the airport then if this other group is running them or uh, is it more that they they bought the concept yeah so I think you are so you're, they're still uh, getting the recipes from the restaurant owners and there are some slightly different menus so you know it's airport food so you want something that's a little more portable so for example uh, Martin City Pizza is operating. Um, a small, you know, restaurant at the airport, and they're only going to be serving personal pan pizzas because most people are not going to be sharing a giant pizza at the airport. Uh, Pollo is another uh, airport vendor, and they're kind of, you know, the menu is similar, the recipes are the same, but they're kind of uh, scaling things down into more like one bowl options as opposed to like, you know, meat and three sides. <laughs> right. I need, usually need three tables for my meal at Pollo. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Well, we will keep up the conversation uh, with the rest of our food writers. But Liz Cook uh, from from The Pitch, thanks for being here this morning with the latest news from around town. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. All right. Well, let's talk to our other food writers. Jenny Vergara is a food columnist for In Kansas City Magazine, co-host of the Hungry for Mo podcast from KCUR Studios. Jenny, welcome back. Thanks. Always good. Glad to, to be here. Always good to see you. And Natasha Bailey is executive chef at Thelma's Kitchen and the other co-host of Hungry for Mo. Welcome to you, <laughs> Natasha. Good morning. And joining us for the first time on Up to Date, Natalie Torres Gallagher. She's been dining critic for Kansas City Magazine and written for Feast and Missouri Life as well. Natalie, welcome back. Thank you. Hello. Jenny, $1.5 billion for a new airport terminal gets you... I was you... like, somebody has to say the B-B-B-B word. <laughs> With a B. Gets you what from a culinary standpoint? Well, you know, so Vantage Group is who was in charge of kind of uh, basically the 15-year airport concessions contract. They were the ones that won. And so they had put together kind of a group of restaurateurs that they presented. And what I thought was really, really interesting ultimately about where we ended up is that they had a goal. So there is such a thing called the Airport Concession Disadvantages Enterprise. It's called ACDBE program. It's in a lot of airports nationally across the country. And this basically, um, they try to gets a certain percentage of local women-owned or uh, BIPOC businesses in the airport. And their goal initially was 16%. At least 16% Mm -hmm. of our new restaurants and stores and and were going to at least be owned by. And they ended up with 59%, which is one of the largest across the country today. Now, obviously, if something opens tomorrow, that could be a different story. So one of the things I think we're seeing is this incredible diversity of not only um, restaurateurs, and Liz is right, for the most part, a lot of the restaurateurs just went ahead and said, yes, we want uh, the airport to run kind of the concessions for us. But they were given the option to run their own. And I do believe like Urban Cafe, there was a few of them that had elected to run their own space. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to get a mix really of all of it. But um, I think the diversity needs to be talked about. I think it's a really incredible stat and something we should all be proud of at our airport. Um, And I think it shows in the food and the selections that we have. So Natasha, when you think about airport uh, dining, what is it that seems like it would be important to to you as a as a consumer, as as any of us trying to make our way to our flight. Probably quick and easy. Yeah, something handheld that you can just grab and go. And you know, it's, the interesting part of that is that I look at this list of restaurants, and uh, some of them are that that makes sense, but some of them are I think of as you know, sit down, have someone wait on you kind of restaurants. Uh, it's interesting that they've made their way at the airport. Definitely, and uh, if we take into account layovers. 
mm-hmm. that we've been experiencing, it might be nice to have a sit down, really wonderful <laughs> meal while you're sitting at the airport. Finally, something good about having to spend more time at the airport. Uh, Natalie, uh, do you, uh, as you look at this, do you, are there particular uh, restaurants you've been hearing about at the airport that stand out to you? Yeah, uh, actually, I was really pleased to hear about Soiree opening up at the at the airport because that was uh, an 18th and Vine spot uh, that really paid paid tribute to just the the black history in the area and a lot of the black food that we take for granted coming from that community. Mm-hmm. And uh, Soiree, I think think you'll have to fact check me on this but i think it, it it's hours are not regular since the pandemic went into place so it's got the fact that it's got a kind of a permanent representation at the airport is really really wonderful and i am so looking forward to uh my, my next layover or uh you know just getting there a little early and uh, and chomping down on some ribs. Well, you know, one of the things that I think we should definitely mention is that a lot of these folks that did end up at the airport did have or still have uh, brick and mortar restaurants. And so I think you will be um, you're going to have to kind of keep an open mind because obviously we're talking about food that needs to be prepared fast. People are on the go. This is something that has to sit in your lap or maybe at a quick table. Um, so you might not see all the selection, all of the same exact kind of food presentation that you would expect if you were to go and sit down in their restaurant. I mean, they're going to certainly do their best to deliver the flavor profile and deliver their brand um, in, on a plate or in a bowl. But the prices will also be uh, somewhat higher. Obviously, mm-hmm. at the airport, we've got lots of taxes to pay for now with our new airport. So, I mean, we have to kind of like keep everything in perspective, I think. So uh, you've written, uh, Jenny, I, what will I'm sure now be the definitive list of the restaurants at the airport. I, I'm sure the, so many lists. Everybody's the, got a list. The Google hits are incredible. But uh, as you look over that list, uh, what stands out to you? What what are the what are the real highlights of this uh, this culinary adventure? Okay, so from a local standpoint, you know, I think what's interesting is they t- took this idea of a food hall, and there's t- so it's a brand new airport terminal, right, with two concourses, and each concourse has to kind of marry because depending on where you're flying into or out of, you have to have a bar, you have to have a coffee shop, you have to have a healthy food bowl place, you know, you have to have a place where you can sit down maybe and enjoy a meal and spend some time, and they've done a good job basically kind of breaking that out. So I think something to mention is the fact that we have two food halls that really represent kind of two different parts. Of the city. There's the city market food hall and the made of Kansas City food hall, um, which everybody's kind of teasing about the not made in made, Kansas yes, City. Yes, okay. we're made of. All yeah, of us are made of Kansas okay. City. Um, but what's interesting is that there's typically like a bakery spot or a coffee spot in the food hall. There's going to be a bar in each of these food halls that's going to service that area. So um, kind of like you would see in a normal airport where there's just kind of, you know, one concession after the other. And so like, for example, in the city market food hall, you have Bolings, Taste of Brazil, um, Boulevard's going to be doing the bar there, basically, uh, Pigwitch, and then Buffalo State Pizza. And I even called the gal and I go, Buffalo State Pizza is not really in the city market. (laughs) The last time I checked and she's like, oh, well, we're taking some liberties with (laughs) the the marketing gal was like, we're moving it around a little bit. (laughs) I think that's how we ended up with Made of Kansas City Food Hall. Uh, But anyway, so each of these and then in the Made of Kansas City Food Hall, we have Bloom Baking. We have a uh, J. Hootie McShannon uh, Blues Bar. So that's going to be the bar location, basically. 
Poyo, Hungry Hatch, which is in the city market, and Belings. So Belings is the only restaurant, actually, it should be noted, that's going to be in both Concourse A and Concourse B. So everything else is original, but um, they're kind of like trying to have something for everyone at the airport, which I think is really important. So Natasha, I, this, we, we keep calling these food halls, uh, and I know food halls are all the rage, and everyone loves food halls. Is this really different than a food court, which we used to call these in the airports? <laughs> That is a tough question. All right. It might just be the same thing with a new name. Okay. I mean, different selections. It's cooler. Variety. It's cooler. (laughs) I think it's been rebranded. Yeah. (laughs) The the food court is now the food hall. Yes. I mean, not that I had anything against food courts, but uh, Natalie, I know that uh, you you highlighted uh, a coffee place that you think is worth paying attention to in the airport. Yeah. I love uh, Messenger Coffee Co. And it's... um, just their offerings there are so great. And they've done a really wonderful job of sort of taking over a lot of the the coffee scene in Kansas City. Um, mm-hmm. But what is really amazing about Messenger is their partnership with Ibis Baking Company. Uh, and I am... I will never turn down a pastry. I will like <laughs> I will stop in the street for a carbohydrate. But um, what I love most is their uh, savory ham and cheese croissant. Um, it's just... Perfectly buttery, perfectly flaky. Uh, And what I love about it is they do this like little, like tiny hint of whole grain mustard through. So you've almost got like a little surprise to look forward to. It's just, I mean, it's just the perfect thing. That's a, that's an ode to a, an ode to the ham and Gruyere uh, croissant. I, I can't disagree. Um, and a, another example of a of a Kansas City establishment with a brick and mortar building that's very popular that will now be at the airport. I, does do any of you want to offer an ode to uh, the good old national chains that we're expecting to find in an airport that are all that are also there? Auntie Anne's, Cinnabon is there, Smoothie King. Anyone? I mean, I don't think you can go to an airport and not have a Cinnabon yeah. and still have the experience that you. I mean, there's something about like walking past a Cinnabon and telling yourself, (sighs) if my flight's delayed, I'm going to get me one of those. Okay, so it's intoxicating. I feel that way about Auntie Anne's, though. I mean, that's the smell of an Auntie Anne's pretzel will drive me from the parking lot clear to their front door every time. Jenny, you can have both. I mean, those layovers are long. long. There's the carb queen right there for us. The, Give us a, a that is their but, marketing strategy, I believe, well, is simply to make them smell so good. One thing that we have to say about the, the chains is that um, they are local franchisees. So these are still local Kansas Cityans who are running these chains, which does make me feel somewhat better, obviously, about having some chains there. But we do have to talk about at least one, and it's called Big Chicken. This is new to the Kansas mm-hmm. City area. It's new to Missouri. Um, this is from... Uh, professional basketball star and NBA Hall of Famer Sha- Shaq O'Neal. So he's got wow. he's got and it's kind of everything fried chicken. So you've got popcorn chicken, chicken tenders, chicken sandwiches. Um this all apparently the menu is from his childhood and this is kind of a chain he's rolled out for probably about a year or two now. And so this is our first location to have that. So that'll be something interesting to try if anybody's like really down. I love a good fried chicken sandwich. I, don't I know will try. Do, right? Yeah. Any right. other favorites anyone wants to highlight off of the, the list uh, from uh, from the airport? What else have we missed? I'm excited to see Urban Cafe yeah. back open out there. Mm-hmm. I right. can't wait to go out and try. Because it, it closed its brick-and-mortar location on Troost, right? Yes. So, uh, so do, have you talk, has anyone talked to their owners? Do we know how their menu will look at the airport? Will we be able to, to get some of the, the familiar favorites? We need to book a flight. 
All right. That's true. Well, I do wonder how many people are going to purposely arrive at the airport an hour early so they can go to the Well, and we really should tell people that the only thing that's available outside of security, so if you don't have a ticket, is uh, basically Dunkin'. So you can get coffee and a cruller, but you can't you can't pretty much taste any of this unless you have a ticket to fly. Exactly. So we should warn people now. But one thing I do want to mention that I think is probably worth because I thought this was kind of a clever idea is there is a concept called Made for KC Barbecue Experience. And this was basically done in partnership with the OHM, the group that basically runs the concessions. Um, they hosted, they worked with the um, Kansas City Barbecue Society to host a competition this summer. And the winner of the barbecue competition got the contract for one year at the airport in this barbecue. So it's in Concourse, let me find it, B. Concourse B. And um, so this year, their, their competition basically was Smoke and Magic was the team that won, and they got $25,000 and a one-year licensing agreement to have their recipes prepared at this spot. And they're going to host the competition every year, and so there'll be new different barbecue players that go in there, and I think that's kind of super exciting. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, a great way to kind of represent the fact that we are regional, you know, we have a regional barbecue style here that we do. This is our last opportunity uh, to pay tribute to any of the closing restaurants from the old airport terminals which in fairness mostly closed some time ago before. Uh, <laughs> Can we just talk did. about the, the pictures that were like one granola bar <laughs> and like one bottle of water and nothing out, like people griping about what happened to all of our stuff. And it's like, listen, it's got to move at some point, like get the last granola bar and the last bottle of water and know that your next one will be at the new it's, airport. It's historic, right. The, yeah. it's what Or the Starbucks with the line reaching all the way back to security because it's the only <laughs> place to get a, any drink of any kind. I'm inside. just glad that they're saving a few of those terrazzo circles from the floor. Like that's the only part of the, old, you know, let's send off the old airport in the right way. I think there was art in that airport that was that was worth saving. And I'm glad they're going to have a little bit of an homage to the floor in the new space. So sounds like a, we can we can let it let it now rest in peace. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> All right. It's time for a break. When we come back, we shift south from the airport to the streetcar line. Whether you're commuting to and from work or looking for a way to spend a night out without having to drive or take a rideshare home. Where are the best spots on the city's hot new public transit system? And we even branch out to the bus lines, too. We'll be right back. When I say sandwich cookie, what do you think of? Oreo? Or what about Hydrox? The original cream-filled chocolate cookie? It's true. Hydrox cookies, the OG Oreo, are from Kansas City. And my podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, is digging into the story. Live at Rochester Brewing and Roasting Company in the Crossroads, Friday, March 29th. The first event sold out so fast, so we're going to do it again. We'll even have some cookies for you to sample. Visit kcur.org slash cookies for more information. Welcome back to Up to Date. I'm Brian Ellison. Today we're talking food as we do each month, and it's the food you get while taking advantage of public transportation in Kansas City. We'll focus especially on the streetcar line. Joining me this time at the table is Jenny Vergara, Natasha Bailey, and Natalie Torres Gallagher. Uh, Jenny, is being accessible to people by public transportation just uh, just a matter of convenience, or does it have an impact on the on the feel, the flavor of the restaurants? You know, I think that anything that moves people around the city in a way that's meaningful is important. And I think there needs to be, you know, refreshments along the way. Like I'm all for a good a good bus stop with an amazing restaurant that you always just kind of maybe get off on that stop and enjoy that place. Or same thing with the streetcar, especially as it continues its expansion toward 
um, you know, basically the kind of the UMKC area. I mean, I think we're going to see an awful lot of spaces popping up along lines, particularly with the streetcar, which is, I think, the majority of what we'll be talking about today. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a good snack them and a little drinky poo? And then you can hop back on public transportation, not have to drive. And then and then go to work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe not work. I'm thinking after work, maybe. But. Natasha, is there a certain uh, sort of f- feel, something you're looking for when you think about places that are close to uh, to public transit? Um, I, well, I want a pastry. Sometimes yeah. you want a pastry and a yeah. coffee, you yeah. know, just hop off, grab that and hop back on, get where you're going. But you want it to be better than just whatever day old donut happens yes. to be available. <laughs> yes. You know, I, there are, uh, Natalie, people who, who commute on the streetcar and, and, but I, but I think about the streetcar as it, and its route as sort of, it passes through the entertainment district. So for a lot of people, the idea of the streetcar and dining out are pretty closely intertwined. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I think what's, what's really beautiful about the streetcar is that it, other than the fact that it's free, is that you get to, um, you get the opportunity to explore restaurants that might otherwise be a little inconvenient just due to their location with parking and and everything. So you can have a drink at uh, a fair and then you can continue soon. You'll be able to continue right on down to Midtown with, Mm -hmm. uh, with Regaza, which is one of my favorite spots. Well, let's, let's talk about some of those favorite spots and, and let's start with the, the streetcar line we have, and then we will move to the streetcar line. We, we, we have been promised we will have. 2025. Um, <laughs> can't conf- Late 2024, 2025. We might as well move from north to south. Let's start up at the, the, the city market, up the, where the, the, the northern terminal, uh, terminus? Terminal. Terminus <laughs> of the streetcar is. Um, Jenny, uh, what, when you're up there at Fifth and Walnut, what are you going to get off the uh, streetcar to eat? Okay, so to center everyone, this streetcar stop is the one that's directly in front of the big uh, city market sign. So you've now arrived basically at the city market. And, you know, you can't not talk about the food that is located inside the city market. It's a veritable United Nations of choices. I mean, mm-hmm. really, we almost have one of everything in the city market. But some of my uh, favorite stops are actually right there as you get off the streetcar in front of you, basically, is um, Fickle Thai Bistro. This is Fickle Thai Bistro. It's basically owned by Barami Thai, the folks that own Barami Thai down in the crossroads. And I, you know, just about everything there. That's one of my favorite Thai places, probably because the one in the crossroads is closest to me and where I live. And that ten- convenience tends to play a role in all of this. Um, but I like that place. I like a good um, sausage with peppers in a bun from Corolos out in the city market. Oh my um, God, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I enjoy Taste of Brazil. They have like little kind of traditional Brazilian beach snacks called coxinhas that are delicious and little fried, kind of um, filled with chicken or cheese. Uh, the bon de queijo, which is a Brazilian cheese bread, is also delicious there. You can get a coconut cracked open with a straw in it and drink basically fresh coconut water. Um, Pigwitch is another stop that we definitely have to mention that Chef Alex Pope's place and it's um, butcher shop and sandwich shop. And he does an amazing, he's doing burgers and uh, specialty sandwiches, a little barbecue. So, and it has a great outdoor patio. So I think we have to kind of mention all the places that are really in the city market. Now, uh, Natasha, uh, we, we mentioned Regazza, uh, which is on the future streetcar line, yes. the extension down Main Street. But but right now uh, at city market, there's an option for from the same owners uh, Enzo. Tell yes. us about Enzo. Why, why would you recommend that? I um, actually, Jenny wrote an amazing article about Enzo and they, they have an amazing bar. It's stunningly beautiful. 
And I I think we should really support them. Um, Laura Norris with Regaza, I mean, she has seen a lot of construction in the last couple of years. Yes. And opening up Enzo has been a labor of love as well. So it's good to hop in there. I personally love the half chicken. They have a herb roasted half chicken and it's with a goat cheese and um, kale risotto and a panju. Mm. And it is fantastic. It's a perfect place to go if you just want to relax. Um, and it's a perfect place to end your streetcar tour because they have uh, 30% off all of their happy hour. So you can just go in and mm. really settle in and enjoy yourself and have a good evening. Did not know that. Actually, one thing about Enzo we should notice is that so that used to be the Bowling's location and they used to have their bar right in front of the main bank of windows that's right across from the streetcar line. Mm. So you couldn't really see anything out the windows because you were kind of staring at all the bottles on the wall and the bar. Um, now with Enzo, they have actually moved that bar to the middle of the space. Yes. And so you can see out the windows. And I cannot tell you how thrilling it is to be sitting in a restaurant, enjoying a meal and a glass of wine and see the streetcar whiz by. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing will make you feel like you're in Futurama than, <laughs> than watch that streetcar just plow right by you as you're sitting there enjoying your meal. Um, you know, while we're talking about places to relax and uh, spend while away the evening, Natalie, I know you're a fan of a, of a, of a venerable mm -hmm. river market estate. Yeah, so Harry's Country Club has been around for a really long time. Uh, it's one of my favorite spots to go. That bar is just so comfortable. Mm -hmm. It feels so homey. You know, I love a long bar where, you know, the bartenders still wear like a, a suit and tie or, you know, at least a white shirt and a tie. And they have a super solid scotch collection. Uh, but what I love most about Harry's Country Club is the really reliable happy hour. Uh, it's three to six uh, daily, um, or at least weekdays. Um, and they have some of the best cheese curds in the city. And I'm I spent a large portion of my childhood in Wisconsin. So for me to endorse cheese curds, like on <laughs> right. a, in a public form, like this is, it's a huge, like it's wow. in the contract. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what I, if the folks at home find out. Well, I think, I think they would be like, okay, we'll bring us some and we'll like, we'll, we'll figure this out. But, <laughs> but no, they make their own ranch and like, that's it. It's just huge. It's beautiful. Um, so yeah, cheese curds for the win. Really close to the streetcar line. This yeah. is good to know. They are a staple. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, do you, I, I know, uh, I, I have a group of friends who swear by the fish and chips when they're available at uh, Harry's Country Club. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Mine starts and ends with scotch. Scotch. <laughs> scotch, enough. scotch. I love scotch. Well, let's move south on the streetcar line. Uh, there is, of course, uh, there's one more stop in River Market, I guess. But uh, but then we move on down into downtown. What are we uh, What are we looking for when we get down there, Jenny? So um, the Metro Center at 12th and Main basically is right on the corner across from the Lightwell building. And the Lightwell building has opened up now. It's been kind of reimagined. Um, there's coffee from Maiden KC Coffee, uh, basically in the lobby. And then the Strain Hall Chef Collective also has two locations in there, two new restaurants, if you will. One is Verde and one is Panacea. Hmm. And they each serve a little bit of a different purpose, is my understanding. There's kind of one that's more breakfast and lunch focused, and the other one's more kind of um, happy hour, small plates, like bigger entrees if you wanted. Um, but the, the lobby itself is full of artwork. And if you haven't been down there, like it's really worth getting off the streetcar and, you know, maybe you work down there and it's just you pop in all the time. But, um, I walk by it every morning and press my face against the glass. So I've been watching the construction <laughs> happen and now that they're open and, and ready for business, I can't wait to get in there. So uh, we continue on down the road. We get down to the Power and Light District, the area around the Kaufman Center. Are there places that, 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 that you would recommend there, Natalie? 
Yeah, so still in downtown, not quite, not quite the power and light area, but uh, Savoy at oh, the yeah. 21C. So really, I mean, just a really historic building. So beautiful, like significant to Kansas City for all of those reasons. There's still the Truman booth there. Um, but I went recently and I was I was just so surprised. They've had, um, you know, chefs and, and bar managers and just staff changes and what they're doing right now with their bar program is really incredible. Every single ingredient that they put into their cocktails is made in house. I mean, down to like, they're making their own spirits. They have um, on their happy hour menu, they have this drink. It's called if it's up and it's an Amaro cocktail and they actually make their own Amaro. Amaro is, um, it's an herbed liquor Mm -hmm. from Italy. Uh, And they make their own house, house infusion with, Eight different spirits that they source, like really obscure Amari from all over. Um, And it's just beautiful. And the bartender, the lead bartender, Alexandra Grant, she's just so knowledgeable, like really takes it seriously. But not in an esoteric, annoying way, just in a way that like (laughs) makes you like want to enjoy like a really good cocktail, like one that's going to surprise you in a beautiful setting. So that's Savoy at 21C. And uh, all of the restaurants we're talking about today, accessible by public transit, especially uh, right now, we're talking about the streetcar. Natasha, take us take us a little further down the streetcar line. What else? Uh, what else would you uh, recommend? If we are, let's go. We're gonna go to actually. We're gonna go to a little Parisian corner on Main. Okay. Um, Heather Williams has opened three restaurants on kind of across from each other at thirty nine forty thirty nine thirty three. Um, so these are Maine. future streetcar stops. Future streetcar uh, right. stops. 2025. Yes. And um, I love it because she, she's kind of taken us to Paris. I yeah. mean, it's really beautiful. Uh, Taylor is really great for um, just for like a little bit of comfort food, simple, f- fresh European flavors. Um, she has a wine dinner coming up on March 13th um, with a famous winemaker from France, Louis Latour and Cheval is across the street from there and it's a little cocktail bar. So you can go in there and it's just like um, pre-dinner drinks, pre-dinner area where you can just get cozy into the night, which I really appreciate. And then across from that, she's got um, Enchante, which is a beautiful little bakery. They make um, they make fresh baked goods every week they change the menu and it's i like it because you kind of have to get there quick if you don't get there quick what you really want will be gone mm-hmm. yeah i can i can testify to that from personal experience <laughs> what were you trying to get <laughs> i was trying to get the uh the bacon uh, what was it it was a it was like a bacon cheesy uh eggy goodness <laughs> something or other but i i settled for the uh rosemary biscuits and gravy which were amazing amazing so oh, wow all the biscuits are so good yeah Sounds good heather is an incredible pastry chef incredible and special shout out to her carrot cake that she serves at taylor and i think yes. you can occasionally find it at enchante and i mean i like the cream cheese frosting itself so they're good. like i would eat a dog bone covered in that it is <laughs> yes. just so good it's so good uh, but marketing it, marketing yeah. possibility for so. them, uh, dog bones covered in their glaze <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well it is interesting that the way that 
that the little that little empire there of Taylor and Enchanté and Cheval has sort of taken over that intersection. All it seems, Jenny, in, in anticipation of of the streetcar making its way down there. Right now, if you want to take public transit, you'll need to, to take the max bus line that runs down Main. That's exactly right. But, you know, we're so we're sitting here today. Right now, the streetcar line stops at Union Station. And so the, the future of it, if anybody's tried to traverse Maine, it is literally like oh. a drunk driving test right now. I mean, let's <laughs> let's hope you're stone cold sober because you're not going to figure out where the cones are going or why. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a mess. But um, if you are looking at who is snapping up those opportunities, um, the people are opening places in anticipation. They know that the streetcar line is going to bring business. And I think we're just going to see anything, any empty building right now that's on that streetcar line, you're going to see somebody going in to do something because it is going to bring traffic. Um, so, you know, I think she's really smart to get out in front of it, have all the places opened, you know, it's, it's really, really smart. Now, if you're staying on the streetcar where it currently is running, mm-hmm. we've we've made our way down to uh, to the crossroads area, and there's mm-hmm. of course an abundance of food choices, some of which we've. Can spoken I mention about Kaufman before. real quick? Oh, please. So I have a couple selections that I want to make sure. So, to, to, so to this is at Sixteenth uh, and Main. Right, correct. All right, and it's um, basically right across the street from where the streetcar stops is um, Lula Southern Cookhouse. And I just, I would be remiss. I think it's one of the best restaurants right now in the city. It's raucous and fun and um, kind of Southern um, soul, uh, delicious home cooking. Um, It's got a real flair and they really know who they are and and the customers that they're serving and what they want. They have an incredible bar program that has delicious drinks. Um, Brunch, oh my gosh, you'll never have a front or brunch than you you find at Lula's. But they're open for... um, lunch and dinner as well. So I'm just saying that definitely stop there. And then just down the block from there is Tom's Town. So that's one of our local distillers. You can pop in, have some small plates, some good cocktails. Um, And that place is beautiful. Like we forget how, I mean, every time I walk in there, I think this is really a gorgeous tasting room. So um, Tom's Town is definitely a stop. And then next to Tom Town's, I have to give a small shout out to Taps on Main. Mm. Taps on Main is one of those places where you have the card, the swipe card, and then you can try all the different beer wall, beers on the beer wall. Um, so if you're a beer nerd, this is a great way that you can spend the evening and just kind of taste your way through a bunch of different things. But I love the burger there. And I had kind of discovered them right before the pandemic. So I had a lot of burgers from there during the pandemic. I, I, I understand that uh, when they serve the beer three ounces at a time, uh, drinking 10 or 12 of them still adds up. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can still get uh, intoxicated for sure. Um, we should mention uh, on Twitter, Stephen uh, uh, from this stop at 16th and Main mentions Anton's as one of his favorite spots. Uh, uh, and then uh, we should mention a couple folks. We we got away from the River Market area, but uh, way up in the downtown area, two different folks, Joel and Paula, both mentioned Homesteader, uh, uh, oh, yeah. the restaurant up at 7th and Walnut as one of their favorites. Natalie, what's another uh, recommendation you'd make for this, uh, the, this middle section of the streetcar line? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite spots in town is Cafe Corazon, and they have their original location um, the, off of Westport Road. And so the one uh, in cross or in Crossroads um, is their second. And it is just I think they just do such a special job. The menu can be a little overwhelming. There's so much to choose from. They specialize in uh, Latinx coffee and ingredients and menu items. Um, There's so much to choose from. But what I really love that they do is they offer a a really classic Argentinian beverage called yerba mate. uh, And it's kind of a tea. It's a caffeinated tea. They serve it in the traditional gourd with a bombilla, which is a straw. Um, I mean, it just takes me back to like a lifetime ago of backpacking through South America. And like, it's just really fun to see it in the wild in 
in the Midwest. And uh, they do so many food items. Like they get Argentinian pastries from uh, Pan Caliente. There's, I love the alfajores. That's this like sandwich cookie. Think like, think like um, a vanilla Oreo, but it's a cornmeal cookie with dulce de leche on the inside. And it is just, if you've never had it, like you're missing out, but also maybe don't don't try it because, like, you'll just be addicted and then your life will be ruined. So <laughs> try it. You know, you didn't you didn't know an empanada was what you wanted with a cup of coffee. But in fact, at mm-hmm. Cafe Corazon, that is what I generally go that with. That is what I get every time. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just going for coffee, but somehow an empanada finds its way. You have to. Time. Oh, yeah. my gosh. If it's on the menu, you have to. You have to. Uh, let's talk about uh, the the Crossroads Station, uh, where uh, where there's a number of uh, much, much celebrated restaurants uh, in town, Jenny. Yeah. So we have to probably name this as the foodiest corner, obviously, in Kansas City in terms of the streetcar line. I mean, a lot of our fine dining folks are right around there. You've got a fair. You've got Corvino up the street. You've got Farina right there. You've got Extra Virgin. I mean, this is a stop, really, where you can go any direction and hit some really amazing kind of finer dining restaurants. Um, But, you know, I I go to all of them. I mean, (laughs) literally, if you're if you're looking for, you know, a late night spot to go in and just grab, you know, a couple of uh, bites and, you know, something to drink or if you're headed for dinner. I mean, it's a great way, again, to kind of avoid the drinking and driving thing. Right. Use the streetcar. That's what it's there for. Uh, Extra Virgin gets a shout out from Stephen on Twitter. Um, And because this is the streetcar and you can go north and south as many times as you want for free, we're going to go back north because uh, on Twitter, Joel talks about his streetcar Saturdays and how they include not only Homesteader, but also Brown and Lowe and the Phoenix Jazz Brunch uh, before uh, hopping onto the the streetcar and and going on his way. Let's take a call from Tim in Kansas City, uh, who has his suggestions as well. Tim, welcome to Up to Date. Thank you so much. I just wanted to mention uh, something that wasn't mentioned when you were talking about KCI and the River Market. Uh, One of my favorite places, uh, Brown and Lowe in the, the city market, uh, was talking about opening up their their operation up there. Yep. Uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful restaurant, and have a family connection to the historic old building that it is. It's in, and uh, it's a bank, they, they right? Do an excellent. It's, it's job. in an old bank building, right? It started out as a bank, and then became a uh, produce uh, brokerage house there in the River Market. So I have great memories of going going down in the '60s and '70s to see the family friend who was a broker there. But they do just a superb job. The people there are great, and and I love their their gouda mac and their meatloaf. They they do it like mom never did. <laughs> it's, it's, just like your mom wasn't able to make. Place. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Tim, I appreciate that suggestion for Brown and Low, which is not only uh, on the streetcar line but also uh, in the food hall at the new airport. That's right. That's right. You can find Brown and Lowe there as well. Uh, let's uh, let's get back to the streetcar line and uh, any anything else that you want to highlight, Natasha. What uh, what stands out to you, uh, including in the section that we haven't uh, we haven't got a streetcar yet? Um. Okay. We'll go back to Maine. Um. Oh, Boho Suea Canary. It. Um. It's the executive chef is um, Chef Anita Moore, who is also the executive chef at Soiree. Um. So she has been very busy, but um. So when you go in, it is uh, velvet chairs, nice ambiance. It's a very, very chill, relaxing vibe. Uh, They have a great brunch and happy hour. Um, Yeah, I think that Canary 
closed and new ownership took over. And I think they are just kind of finding their footing and they are um, getting ready for the patio season because up top they have a beautiful deck that overlooks all of Midtown. A really amazing rooftop patio. And yes. This is at, uh, it's just north of 39th in Maine. Right? Yes, correct. Is there a particular dish that you would call your favorite? Um, right now, I, they have amazing crispy Brussels sprouts. Mm. They are so good. And I get them every time added on to whatever it is that I'm getting. Um, and they also have these really amazing lemongrass ginger fried chicken wings that it's just a flavor explosion. They are so good. So much ginger in there and the lemongrass really hits and it's served with the yakitori sauce. It's very good. All right. Uh, continuing on with our our culinary trip down the streetcar line. Let's get back up to where the, we still have a streetcar. Uh, we already have a streetcar <laughs> up up near Union Station, the, the current southern terminus of the streetcar. Uh, what do you like in that area, Natalie? Uh, well, I mean, Pierpont's is always, you know, a wonderful spot. I love going there during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. I like just sitting at the bar at Pierpont's having a martini and just like pretending that I've been, that this is who I am, that I've been doing this all my life. Just... <laughs> But um, I, I mean, you are a professional food writer. Right? You, you sort of have been doing. This yeah, all your I've life. been drinking martinis for a long, That's long, fair. long time. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, but actually, I wanted to just shout out really quickly because we touched on Corvino, but I feel like this is important and something that not everyone somehow knows about yet at Corvino. If you if you haven't gone or if you've only been like a couple times and you haven't had the seaweed donuts, like. Why, first of all, are you ignoring that on the menu? Second of all, stop doing that. Like, go tonight and get them. They are brioche donuts. They're served hot. There is seaweed, like, tossed in them. They deep fry them, and then they serve them to you with, like, creme fraiche and trout roe. And it is the salty, hot, savory, everything you never knew that you needed in your life. Wow. Like, that is uh, that is quite a claim. <laughs> every single person who visits me in Kansas City, I take to Corvino, we have the seaweed donuts. And they're like, oh, seaweed donuts, no. And I'm like, no, we're going to do it. And like, if you if you don't like it, like, you're not welcome back to Kansas City. I just want a T-shirt with a picture of the 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 donuts on it. I mean, it's that iconic at this point. Yes. I mean, that is the They've dish. They've had it on the menu since they opened. Are these, mm-hmm. the are these like dish. big pieces of seaweed? Are they just like tiny no, specks that they are looks mixed like in? It's like, it looks like, pretend it's like cilantro mixed in. Okay. You just get enough of like an umami flavor from it. Not like sushi rolls wrapped no, in seaweed. No, no, you're not going to like, you're not going to get seaweed stuck in your teeth. Oh, no. Well, that's, that is that is the big downside for sure. Um, uh, anything else uh, on the on the streetcar line that you would want to highlight, Jenny, before we branch out to the bus lines around the streetcar. Yeah, so I want to talk about a couple places that aren't quite open yet, but as soon as they will be, you'll be able to hit them with the streetcar, and that is um, Small Axe. Chef Howard Hanna's kind of diner is getting ready to open. I just, again, pressed my face to the glass a couple of days ago there. Where is that again? So that is located in, um, it's basically right across from the Rieger, which is was where he cooked before, and Mm -hmm. it's the apartment complex directly across the street. There is a little box on the pad. It's going to have a rooftop deck. Um, He's got a diner on one side, and then he's going to have kind of an international wine bar, small plates um, place on the other side. The small plates and wine bar is probably going to be a little later in the year, but we're going to see small acts open, I think, in the next month or so based on what I'm seeing. But I mean, a beautiful, light, bright diner, tile floors, big white, you know, round lamps. I mean, it's 
it's light and bright in there. I think it's going to be an incredible menu. I can't wait to see it. Okay. So that's one place. And then the other place is kind of catty corner from there where the old Pirate's Bone Burger used to be. And the owner of that is um, Jasmine. And she basically has now both locations. So they have a location kind of further down on uh, Main Street that's kind of a walk-up window there. She's doing Cuban food. But this particular location is uh, called Senorita Margarita. And she's taken the pirate bone space. So if everybody remembers that beautiful kind of almost a like a bar, like a diner bar almost as it kind of wound around with stools, she's taken that and she's put a big straw roof on it to make it feel like you're in Mexico and you've walked up to the swim up bar and you're going to have a margarita and she's got tacos and quesadillas and a few things on the menu you can have. I don't think she's quite open yet. I think she's kind of tested it maybe during the um, parade for the chiefs, the celebration that we had. So she's kind of starting to get open, but be looking for her too, because she's right on the street car line. And I think that place will be kind of a fun place to stop into. Well, and uh, Natasha, I know you, you were going to mention the, the other pirates, but former pirates bone yes. location that 38th and main, uh, that, that also, which is a future streetcar destination. Nation. Yes. Uh, Cafe the, Sofrito. Yeah. Why should people check that out? Um, it, it's it got amazing South American flavors as well. Um, and it's a beautiful building. Yeah, it really it's, just it's a, gets it's your a strange, attention. It's a strange fixture there on Maine. It's you got like touch uh, it. hedges or something, yes. fake hedges on the sides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, it's part of our love of, uh, you know, taking old gas stations and flipping them. It is. Taking old dry cleaning spots or drive through coffee spots and flipping them. And making them interesting. What what should I order? Because I, I I'm embarrassed how often I have driven by it, but not yet stopped. I it's I'm torn. Definitely get an empanada because oh, I know you love empanadas. Well, there do you that. Go. I do. Yes. Um. But I love the pernil. It's um a sandwich. It's the pork is slow road and is slow roasted in mojo sauce, and then it's served in a baguette with shoestring potatoes and a sofrito aioli. And I usually get it with a side of yucca fries and white cheese. It's so good. All oh right. Oh my gosh. That does sound good. Well, we should just stop there. But we're not going to. We're going to press on. The, uh, the, I want to highlight the uh, the Troost Max line has some great restaurants as you make your way down Troost. Natasha, uh, remind us of uh, one that you'd pick out of there. I would go to High Hopes. I know it's not food, but High Hopes. It's the best little neighborhood ice cream shop you can find. It has a nice little walk-up window. Um, if you hit it just right, you don't have to wait at all. They serve you immediately. But it's wonderful in all seasons. I just had the, um, well, I had the Modest Malo, which is really good. It's mascarpone base with toasted pistachios. You can get a honeycomb toffee pieces mixed in with uh, lavender marshmallows. Uh. It's so good. But they also have a... It sells out really fast. A grilled bread pudding sundae. Well, how appropriate that we've ended on dessert. Yes. Uh, uh, so Jenny Vergara, Natasha Bailey, Natalie Torres-Gallagher, thank you all for being here today. Thank, thank you, you so much. And uh, all of our food critics' suggestions will be available online later today at kcur.org. That's our show. Up to date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reggie David, Liz Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and our announcer and engineer is Paul Nyakatura. The theme music is by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Brian Ellison. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>